and as we get back into the fall here and, and kind of back to school, you know, uh, many times it's, it's, it's also good for us to kind of go back to school in the Word of God, you know, back to basics. And look at some of the fundamental things that God, God teaches us, you know. During the course of the year, Holy Spirit, with His guidance, will give us some really, really dynamite and insightful messages and, and things. And sometimes we start flying so high that we forget the very foundational things. So today we're going to look at some of those foundational truths, okay? And one of those foundational truths is, why do I accept it, okay? Why do we, as Christians, accept some of the things that we do accept? Amen. But before we get going in that direction, why don't we start with our scripture reading for today? This morning's scripture reading comes from John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who... To, to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Brother Brandon. So why don't we go to uh, John 2. John 2. 2 verse uh, 13. And we're going to re- read that in a little bit, with a little bit more context. And while you're flipping there, you know, many, many times when you are out driving... Uh, you, you get you can get lost you know you have the ability to get lost and whatnot and and when you're when you are lost like that it's 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 not a very comfortable feeling i mean you know you wonder where am i and so forth but then sometimes you may ask yourself well why did i get lost in the first place well you know maybe you took some directions from someone that you shouldn't have taken directions from maybe you shouldn't have listened to someone and so we wind up being lost that way as we go through life, we find many, many times that things will come our way or decisions will be made before us. And if we don't make the right decision and if we're taking input in from others and we're listening to others, um, we will hear what they're saying. And instead of just saying, I do not accept this, I do not accept what I'm hearing, many times we wind up following what we're hearing and what we're being told. And then we wind up being lost. One of the most powerful words in the English language, and especially for us Christians, is the word simply no. The word is simply no. You know, when you're hearing things that are being put before you, if things are being said or circumstances around you are counter to the word of God or is not the way the Bible says we should be living, should, should be living our lives, then we simply do not have to accept those set of circumstances. Or if it's coming to you in, in the terms of advice or words or opinions and things which are not in line with God's word and are not in line with what or who God says you are, then you simply do not have to accept it. You can make up your mind that I'm not going to accept those statements or just simply say, no, I'm not going to do it or I'm not going to to accept it. If someone asks you to commit a crime, it's very easy for you to say no. If someone says, go rob a bank or go, you know, snatch that person's pocketbook or something, it's very easy for you to say no. And you say it with rather boldness, you know. No, I'm not going to do that. At least I hope you do. (laughs) Amen. Say it with some boldness. So then why is it that we as Christians, when others are, 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 are professing or confessing things to us in our lives or are giving us advice that is outside of the word of God, why is it that we are so slow to say no? Or why is it that we are hesitant to even say, well, I don't accept it? We live in an age today where PC, political correctness, is just running rampant. 
is getting to the point that political correctness is, if you're not careful, will take you off of the word of God. Because in the interest of being politically correct, one would have you change your values, one would have you change your thoughts, one would have you go into a direction that is really counter to the word of God. All right? Simply because there's a group of people, a city, a state, a nation, or a world that is heading into one uh, method of thought and one method of political correctness or things that are acceptable does not mean that we as children of God have to accept that and that we have to follow. So as things continue to move forward, I see the need for understanding that we as Christians have to be strong enough and bold enough to stand on the word of God and to do that which God would have us to do, not what man would have us to do. And that can play out in our lives in so many different ways, in so many different ways, you know. I mean, really, really simply put, I mean, how many times have you gone to, to the store and someone gives you back too much change, you know? And some poke folks would say, well, the stupid clerk made that mistake. You keep the change. Well, you know, as children of God, that is not ours. It belongs to the store. So in essence, that's stealing. So how many of us are bold enough to actually say, well, to me, it's pretty easy. Just say, I'm sorry, but you gave me too much. Here's the 10 back. And invariably, every time you do that, those young people, and they're not always young people, but those clerks and tellers that are there, they will say, oh, thank you so much, because that would have come out of my salary at the end of the day when I go to balance out my check. How many times have you gone to a store and actually gone outside, and as you're loading things into the trunk of your car, you'll find that you had something that you didn't pay for? Okay? There would be some in the world that would say, well, the store made the mistake, it's yours, just put it in your trunk and keep going. How many of us as Christians actually take that item, go back into the store and say, oh, I didn't pay for this. And when you do that, you will invariably see the expressions on many people's faces. They will look at you in, in such surprise because of the fact that it is not fashionable to do things like that in many cases. Okay? So we as children of God, okay, why do I accept that? Why do I do that? And why can't I simply say no? And how bold enough are we as Christians to actually do that? So looking at Jesus is always our best example. In John chapter 2, where Brother Brandon was reading from, starting at 13, to get it into context a little bit here. And the Jews' Passover was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changes of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the money changes money, poured out the changes money and overthrew the tables and said unto them that sold doves, take these things from here, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal of thine house hath, hath eaten me up. Okay, so what he basically saw, he went into the temple there and he saw all of this going on. You see now, because it was the Passover that it started saying, the Jewish people knew that they had to have things to sacrifice. So they were there to buy animals and so on like that. But they were also, though, they were taking advantage of people because this was an international city, if you will, and there were many people who came in there with, with different currencies. So the money changes were those people that were there. It's like if you go to Canada, you got exchange of money before you cross the border and so forth. So these people here were changing money. But in so doing, they were also lying and cheating. They were also lying and cheating. They weren't giving fair exchanges for the money. They were selling the animals and things at exorbitant prices because they knew that in the Jewish tradition you had to buy a sacrifice. So Jesus saw all of this going on in his father's house, and he was angry, you see. So Jesus displayed anger. 
So don't think that because we as Christians, you know, it, it's, it's sinful um, for us. I've got to qualify that because the Bible does say, um, uh, you, you know, do not show anger, do not show anger. But there is such a thing as righteous indignation when you're standing up for the word of God. Because if you do not stand up for the word of God, the way things are going and the way the persecutions are going around this world today, then where will you be, how bold will you be if someone challenges you, if someone challenges your faith? All right. Okay. I forget where it was. Uh, one of the international, one of the foreign countries there, where uh, the person was actually executed. They did not renounce Jesus, and that's what they were telling them to do—to renounce Jesus. All right. You have, you have the, uh, the, uh, the, the Christians that are living over there in those Islamic lands where the last takeover that they started, they were told, either you convert to Islam, you know, or we tax you or take your life. And many would not do that, simply would not do it. So how bold are we? All right? So just remember that one of the basic things is that we as Christians and children of God, we know how to say no and that we should be bold. Let's go to Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. You know, and, and, and sometimes we wind up saying, um, you know, well, so-and-so said so-and-so to me, and so-and-so suggested that I do such-and-such, and then we say, wow, well, why did you agree to do it? Or why didn't you just speak up? And the famous answer I always hear, well, I didn't want to offend them. Well, I didn't want to make them feel bad. All right. So... What makes more sense to you? To not offend man and not speak up to what you know the word of God is telling you to do or to offend God by not doing what God would expect you to do as one of his children. Okay? So that's another thing, too, that we can't... Not, not that we go about our lives desiring to be offensive. No one as a child of God wants to offend people. But if someone is trying to tell you to do something or have you do something that's counter to God's word, then by all means you should simply say no, whether they get offended or not. If they get offended, well, tough noogies, as I say, tough noogies. Just move on, pick up and move on. They'll outgrow it. But in the meantime, I have to stand by what I would know God would want me to do, okay? Because if you go by this thing about not wanting to offend someone, that could put you in a very, very bad and a very compromising position, okay? If someone says to you, I want you to denounce Jesus right now, would you go on and denounce Jesus because you didn't want to offend him? Why did you denounce Jesus? Well, I didn't want to make him feel bad. You know, now what kind of sense does that make? All right. Now, I'm taking it to the extreme, but many times I hear people um, say things like that. Well, I didn't want to say so-and-so, so I just dropped my eyes and didn't say anything because I didn't want to offend them. Jesus was not worried about offending anyone in that temple when he, in, in the, uh, money, where the money changes were. Amen? So, Proverbs 28, number 1. Proverbs 28, verse number 1. The wicked flee when no man pursues. But the righteous are bold as a lion. The wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Please underline or highlight all of that. And what that is saying is that the wicked flee when, met, when no man pursues. A person that is, 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 is evil and doing, things of evil, doing evil things, they're constantly afraid. 
They're constantly afraid. And so they're nervous and they're uptight and so forth. And they run from things. They run at times and have fear at times when there's no reason to be fearful, you see. But because of the fact they're leaving, the life that they're leading uh, is one that, that is wicked, they're always worried and always concerned. But the righteous person is bold as a lion. So what that is saying then, in terms of making up your mind to simply say no or to not do something or accept something that someone is saying to you or saying about you, you know, and one of the, the favorite ways that the, that the devil works in our lives is that you will have someone that will say to you that you are, you're less than what you are. You're not going to succeed. You're not going to do this. You're not going to go to heaven. I mean, all of these things to make you think that you are less than what you are. You see? So you just simply say, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke that. I do not accept it. You know? Well, why don't you do so-and-so and so-and-so? The answer is no. As simple as that. But why don't you come down, you know, to the, to the tree that's in the center of the forest, that full moon, you know, and all like that. Yo, didn't you hear? Pastor so-and-so is going to be. There's going to be a healing service, all right? And, and in the middle of the forest and the full moon? No, I don't think so. No. You see? You see? And again, I'm stretching the point because I want you to see in many different ways these things come into our lives. All right? So we have to be prepared to say no and to not just simply accept it. All right? <clears throat> Sometimes people fear that being bold will get them in trouble. But even if boldness does get us into trouble, we don't have to worry about what it is that we're going to say because God tells us that he will give us words to speak. Go to Matthew. Okay? You see, you see, many times, Matthew 10, many times we will stop and think, well, gee whiz, you know, if, if, if I say that, you know, if, if I am bold, then that's going to get me into trouble. You know, you, your, your boss calls you in and, and has some instructions or directions for you and wants you to do something that you know is not what God would have you to do. And he's your boss. And you're thinking there, you know, in those split seconds, the thoughts going through your mind, well, gee whiz, if I don't say what I know God would have me to say, if I be bold, then I'm going to get into trouble. How am I going to answer this, you see? And you've heard me say many, many times, many, many times when I'm testifying and so on and, and there's a question coming at me, I will sit right there and listen and without, I don't say hold it and drop on my knees and grab my Bible and start praying, but I will simply say, Lord, help me to answer this question. Lord, give me the answers, all right, without flinching or, or flicking my eyes or whatever. And then when the question is over, thank God and praise God, the answer comes. And sometimes it surprises even me, <laughs> okay? It surprises me. Wow, where did that come from, all right? But, but I, and I'm telling you this, you know, and, and if you don't believe it, then this is why we get into trouble, because we don't believe that this is, is, is how God, you know, what God says, says will happen, you see. But that happens to me because I am childlike enough to believe what it is that I'm reading in this book. I am childlike enough and silly enough, some might say, to literally believe what I'm reading in this book. So when I do what is written in this book, these are the little odd things that happen to me in my life that makes life a lot more bearable, a lot easier for me. Amen? So, again, so getting back to some, sometimes we're afraid to, to be bold and to say what God would want us to say because we, we're afraid we'll get into trouble and won't know what to say. So Matthew chapter 10 starting with verse number 16. Matthew 10, verse number 16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents, as harmless as doves. But beware of men, please underline, but beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. 
Right? Beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake. Please underline for my sake. Simply because of the fact that we are a Christian. For a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not be anxious. Amen? Do not be anxious. Take no thought, as King James says, how or what you shall speak. This is in the line, be not anxious how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. Let's highlight all of that. For it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak, for it is not you that speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Okay, so bracket all of 19 and 20 if you don't already have it highlighted highlighted and bracketed. You see, so, I mean, there it is right there. And as I said a moment ago, that, you know, I am childlike enough to believe that if God is telling me this, and if you have a red-letter Bible, these words are written in red, which means that this is Jesus actually saying that, that Jesus says that if you're called before the council or before anyone, don't be because of Jesus, because of who we are as Christians, that don't be concerned. Don't worry about what it is that you're going to say. Because the Holy Spirit that is in you is going to speak. You see? Now, I also know that to be a fact. If, even if it isn't before a council, if, it's even, if it is not before a court of law that I'm in, I also know that in any transaction, any verbal transaction that's going between me and someone else, be it a friend, a family member, someone that is not that close to me, but someone that I'm just talking to on an individual basis, that the same thing will happen. Because you as a child of God, people out there will find out that you're a Christian if they don't already know it. They will find out. There's always something about us that they always tell us is different. Many times I've known people for years, and, and, or, or months, maybe not necessarily years, but, but for months or whatever. And then when somehow the conversation comes up and it comes out that I'm a Christian and whatnot, and there are many times they'll say, I knew there was something different. I knew there was something about you that was different. You know? And many times you'll pick it up also. But the thing is, is that those people that are not Christians also pick up in you that there's something different. They may not necessarily understand that the difference is because you are a Christian, but there's something that is in your spirit that is unlike what is in their spirit. Amen? And they spot that. So either it does one of two things. Either they accept it and they feel like, even though they're not Christians, they feel like, gee, I want to learn from this person. This person's life is so serene. With all of the layoffs going on, with all that's happening in the world, this person is so serene and calm. What is it that this person knows that I don't know? So this is a non-believer that still wants to know more about you. But then again, you can have the non-believer or unbeliever who knows that there's something about you and they figure out it's because you're a Christian and they dislike it. Okay? And they dislike it. So they will come at you many times with different things that they'll be saying. And this is where you have to determine whether you just don't accept it or you simply tell them no. Simply tell them no. And in conversations with them, you ask Holy Spirit, what is it that I should say? You've got to remember that God does not want that person that's giving you a hard time. God does not even want that person to perish. Amen? So Holy Spirit may want you to say something to that person that may trigger a thought or a reaction in them that will bring them to the Lord. You see? But sometimes, because of the fact that we're not bold, there's a missed opportunity. 
Now, that doesn't mean that we have to go, hold on a minute, and you reach back for your milk crate and soapbox, and you stand up on the soapbox, and you start, you know, fear ye, fear ye, and all of this, and go, repent now or die. I'm not saying, I'm not, okay, and you grab your body, you tell them, freeze action for a moment, and go get all of your stuff, and bring it together, put on your robe, and, and start, you know, I'm not saying that at all, okay, all right, all right, you see, but, 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 but in your boldness, and again, asking what you should speak, Holy Spirit knows what is in that unbeliever's heart. You see? See? The thing about God is that he's not just a God to us. He's a God of the unsaved, too. Okay? Don't forget, when you weren't saved, he was still your God. And if God didn't care about you, you wouldn't have wound up getting saved. So God cares about that person that's given you such a hard time. God does not want that person to go to hell either and to perish. All right? You see? So what we need to be mindful of is, God, what would you want me to say? All right? This person is out to get me. They know I'm a Christian. They don't like me. You know, worth, you know what is it you want me to say? You see? And Holy Spirit, knowing what's going on in that person's life, in that person's heart, the innermost part of that person, may have you say a group of words, and one of those words is a trigger word that only God would know about something in that person's life that may be the thing to turn that person around. Okay? But, if we're disobedient to the call of Holy Spirit, and if we are afraid to be bold, then that opportunity where God is placing this person before us, where God may want us to say something, we turn away from. Okay? We turn away. And then there's one individual that perhaps could have been saved, and maybe it's a missed opportunity. Now, God may bring somebody else around that's more, be- more obedient, another Christian that's more obedient and more bold to talk to that person, perhaps. But in the meantime, what is it that you didn't do? Okay? So we have to be bold. We have to know when to speak and, know- and speak with confidence because we know that Holy Spirit is going to be um, the one that will give us the words and the guidance. Okay? For what we can see going on in things that have touched us as individuals, we need to learn how to say no because there are many false prophets and deceivers that are out there. And we spoke a little bit about that, but let's go to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. Praise the living God. Luke 21. And we want to start. Okay. And, and you know, and the interesting thing, let me just preface this by saying that every single false prophet that comes our way is not going to be saying, look at me, I'm the false prophet, obviously. And he's not going to come, he or she is not going to come around you speaking a whole lot of blasphemies and doing everything that would very, very readily reveal that this person is obviously not in line with the, with the word of God, you know. And many times when you say the term false prophet, you think of someone that's going to be looking real slick. You know, and is going to be out there just just trying to be deceptive and his way about him, his mannerisms, everything else just, you know, looks like, oh, God, this guy is not, this guy or gal is not of God and whatnot. The false prophet will be very, very smooth, okay, and will speak with very beguiling words. So what, what is that we as Christians need to do? First of all, we need to know the word of God. But looking at scripture here, Luke 21, starting at verse number 8, it says, and he said, and again, this is Jesus speaking, red letter words here. And he said, 
Take heed that you be not deceived. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draweth near. Go ye not therefore after them. But when you shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass, but the end is not at once. Alright, so where are you saying there in verse number 8, Take heed that you be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. Well, there are many people that, that come to us that don't necessarily say that I am Christ, but I am speaking the word of God. I am a minister of the gospel, and therefore I am saying what Jesus Christ is saying to believers that are in the Christian faith. And what Jesus is saying is, is, is that, you know, don't go running after them so quickly. You know, and I've known many, many people, and it still goes on, that instead of getting bedded down in a good church, okay, in a good full gospel church, where speaking the, the, the unwatered word of God, they will flit from gathering to gathering to gathering, you know, and every single Sunday it's going to the Colosseum because I'm going to hear a word. You know, I'm going to see so-and-so appearing over here. I'm going to hear a word. And each time that they're going there, they're trying to hear something from God because they think these people are going to be bringing forth a word just for them. Okay? Well, God can first of all speak to you if you're listening. And God can speak to the mailman that comes to your house. You don't have to go spending a couple hundred dollars and buying a plane ticket to go to the other side of the country to hear somebody to get a word. Okay, all right. And these people do not get get bedded down in a ministry where they are are a part of because the word of God talks about distinctly about forsaking not the gathering together of yourselves, which means that we should be to gathering together of yourselves. There should be a place where you are being fed the word of God. Uh, um, in any 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 pastor worth worth his salt will say that if you are traveling and all that sort of thing, um, by all means, you know, you want to give and give and give, but the place that you tithe is to the place that you're being fed because that was the purpose of tithes going way back when it was where you were being fed you see but people will run around looking for a word because they think that so and so is such a, a prophet okay such, and I've heard that so many times such a prophet okay now I'm not it may or may be I'm not saying that I'm not speaking on any one of, of God's children who do travel and have ministries where they do have gatherings quite. I'm not saying that at all. But all I'm just saying is that is to use some Holy Spirit wisdom before you start before you start following after people simply because of the fact they're claiming that this person is speaking the word of God. What did Jesus say? They say many will come in my name. All right. But do not go following after them. Take heed. Verse eight. That you be not deceived. For many shall come in my name saying I am Christ in the Time draweth near. Go ye not therefore after them. All right? So again, this is the thing about being bold. How many times have we been invited to go someplace? I'm going down to see brother so-and-so. I'm going down to, to see sister so-and-so. Boy, she or he is a mighty person of God. Mighty person of God. No, don't you want to come? Don't you want to come? And the person doing the inviting is a family member or a very close friend. Are you bold enough to simply say no? Simply say no. If Holy Spirit does not make that feel good to you, you cannot go. You be careful about that because of what Jesus just said here, you know. But when you shall hear of wars and commotions, don't be terrified. These things must first come to pass, but end is not at once. Then said he unto them, 
Nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And earthquakes shall be in divers places, and fam- famines and pestilences, and fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. Does that sound familiar right now, the times that we're in? You know, earthquakes in various places, pestilences. Look at this all of a sudden, Ebola, Ebola is rising up again. I mean, look at the various things that are going on as far as, as diseases and things in, in the land. But before, verse 12, but before all of these, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it, therefore, in your hearts, not to meditate before what you shall answer. Okay? Settle in your hearts, not to meditate before what you shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which all of your adversaries shall not be able to contradict nor withstand. Please underline that and highlight it, because this is Jesus himself saying that he says, he says that with all of that going on, Settle it, therefore, in your heart. So really believe this and get it locked down tight in your belief, in in your heart there. Um, Not to meditate before what you shall answer. For I shall give you a mouth and wisdom, which all of your adversaries shall not be able to contradict nor withstand. So what does that mean? That means that, that when someone is saying something to you, someone is pressuring you to do something or to go somewhere that is outside of the word of God or to make you believe that you are something or someone outside of what the word of God says you are, do not believe. It, do not lock it. Do not um, uh, uh, lock it into your spirit. But just know that Jesus will be the one to give you the words and the wisdom to say, and the words and the wisdom with, which come from your mouth, based on what God will give you. Your enemies will not be able to contradict it. Won't be able to argue against it. You know, how many times do we wind up getting into these discussions? You know. You get into discussions with, with people that either are out-and-out non-believers, or, they, or they're saying that they are, or, or they are minimally versed in the Word of God, but they get into all of these intellectual discussions and they want to debate the Word of God and start trying to make points to, to, to outshine your points, all right? And this is where you have to make sure you understand what the Word of God says, really, really says. And secondly, Holy Spirit within you will give you the words to say. So before you get drawn into some sort of or some sort of debate, because if you talk long enough to some people, you'll believe that the sky is green. All right, they'll give you the intellectual belief system to make you think that it's green or whatever. But the word of God says what the word of God says, and the word and the word of God, Holy Spirit, according to Jesus, says, "I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all of your adversaries shall not be able to contradict nor withstand." So that means when someone is trying to get you to believe something or accept something, simply say, "I don't accept that. I don't accept it," or simply just say, "No." And when you say no and they say why, Holy Spirit will give you the answers. First of all, if you know the word of God, you'll be able to come back with the answers, you see. And the reason, I'm, again, I'm bringing this up because I see this is one of the basic things uh, uh, that we as Christians oftentimes times forget. You know, we get caught up in, in being well grounded in the word of God and we, we want to know the word of God and get technically, become technically um, sharp in the word of God. But the fundamental thing of being bold enough to say no to someone who is trying to change your thinking or change the word of God or simply not accepting what they're saying. All right. And, and it says in verse number 16, and you shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolk and friends. Some of you shall, or, or, and some of you shall they cause to be put to death. 
You shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolk and friends. And some of you shall they cause be put to death. You see? Now, you know, God willing, you know, none of that comes to happen where because of friends or family or someone like that, we wind up being put to death. But we have all that issues with families and, fr- and friends. I have. I certainly have had disagreements over the word of God with family and friends. But I tell you one thing, though. I know what God says to me. I know what Holy Spirit says to me. And I'm not going to let anyone pull me away from that. I don't care if it was my mother or father, you see. And because of the fact, Holy Spirit would not have had Luke record these words that Jesus was saying if it wasn't for a reason. There is no word in this Bible, in this book, that is wasted. All right? Every word in this book was inspired by Holy Spirit to man. In this particular case, it was Luke. Luke is recounting what Jesus himself said. So if Jesus took the time out to tell us this, and you shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolk and friends, and some of you will, will, will cause, they cause you put to death. If Jesus is telling us that, that means that the possibility is there. So all I'm just saying is that the things that we may hear from kinsfolk, family, friends, parents, or whomever, um, it might not be to the point of death, But it can certainly be things that are said to us that is not in line with the word of God. And if that is the case, if whoever they are, I don't care if my mother and father were still here and if they were telling me things in line with the word of God, I would not accept it. Period. And I would just say no. So what Jesus is saying here is to just be careful. Be careful. And why do you think Jesus would go through the trouble of saying this? Is because Jesus knew that it would be possible. Now, does that mean that our family and friends, parents, brothers, sisters, or whomever it might be, would be by design trying to lead us astray? Well, maybe not. May or may be. I don't know. But all I'm just saying is that, is that, is that our family and friends, parents, brothers, sisters, kins, kinsmen, just because we love them and just because they love us, doesn't mean that they can't lead us astray. Okay? Alrighty? In some cases, they may be well-intentioned. In some cases, and I've known many people over the years, it was not well-intentioned. It was, it was indeed by design. Because that loved one wanted to see that committed child of God pulled away from being from out of the fold of, of Christianity, of being a child of God, because their lifestyle was not like their lifestyle, you see? And they wanted this true child of God to live more like them. You see? And so they were saying things, and they will use their relationship to woo you into their belief system. You see? So Jesus, this is not me saying this. I mean, Jesus is doing this warning for a reason, you know? And it is correct. Because over the many years of being in ministry, I have seen it. Okay? So we have to get to the point that I don't care who it is. Mother, father, sister, brother, cousin, Aunt Tilly that I always talk about. I don't care who it is. If they're saying something that is outside of the word of God and is not in line with what Holy Spirit is telling you, that you need to be bold enough to say either I don't accept it or simply no. Okay? I don't accept it or simply no. I don't receive that or simply no. All right? Then it goes on to say... um, uh, verse 17, and you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but there shall, not, there shall not a hair of your head perish. In your patience, possess you your souls. All right? Verse number 18 is important. Please underline it. But there shall not a hair of your head perish. So what this is saying again is that if we heed to Jesus' warning and we stick to what he's telling us to do, and we're bold enough to simply say no or I'm not going to accept it, regardless of what they are trying to do to you, not a hair on your head shall, shall perish. So in other words, you'll be okay. 
you'll be okay. You see? Now, it's easy for us to discuss this while we're sitting here in, in the sanctuary and we've been praying and worshiping together. It's easy for us to buy into this. When you leave here today, later on today, someone calls you, someone sends you a text message, or tomorrow morning, that's when it starts. Okay, when it starts. You don't have any issues while you're within the walls of the sanctuary and we're in church service, unless you're looking at your text, text messages, maybe you're getting a... Okay, but it's, it usually starts after service, that's when it starts. Amen? Amen? So, but if you remember this, that I am a child of God, I am my own person. I choose to believe and react and behave the way I do. My guidance comes from God. My guidance comes from Holy Spirit. I can back up why I behave the way I do. I can back up why I say the things that I do. So I'm sorry. I love you, mother. I love you, father. I love you, brother. I love you, sister. Whoever that person, I love you. But the answer is no. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to believe that. I'm not going to accept it. I'm not going to follow that. I am a child of God, and as such, I am blessed. And as long as I do what God wants me to do, I will be okay. So I'm not going to believe that. I'm not going down that path. Simply say no, or simply say I don't accept it. All right? You can have the sum total of God's Word so locked down in your mind, understanding and memorizing the Word cover to cover from Genesis to Revelation. All right? And you can live a relatively strong Christian life. But in this one area, if you don't know how to lock down and say, I'm only going to do what God says to do, what's in his word, then all of that is for naught. You see, because the devil knows that you can be easily swayed. And what he will do is he will use those circumstances, those people, those conditions, those situations to get you to go where God would not want you to go. Simply because you're not bold enough to say, I don't accept that or no. Simple as that. Simple as that. You can stand up here and you can recite the whole Beatitudes. You can recite every book of Psalms and all of the Proverbs. But then you get right outside of here and someone says, oh, why don't we go do so-and-so? Or why don't you do this? Or why don't, why don't, why don't? And if you're not bold enough to say no, or I don't accept that criticism of me, I don't accept my failure, I don't accept, I don't accept, then you wind up going right down the tubes. And all of your intellectual understanding of the Word of God doesn't help. Okay? So a very fundamental thing is to be bold in the Word of God. And lastly here, in closing, to remind you why Jesus is telling us all of this. Go to Ephesians. Why Jesus is saying all of this. You know the scripture that talks about Ephesians 6, uh, the scripture that talks about the um, devil goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. Make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about it. You know, while we are asleep in our cozy, comfy beds, there's all sorts of plotting and planning going on, you know. And if you don't understand or don't accept the concept of there being a spiritual reality, you know, um, uh, spirits don't require sleep. You know, the only reason that we sleep is because our physical bodies require sleep. But in the spirit realm, you don't need sleep. I mean, there's nothing wearing out. You know, your body, you, there's no physical body to wear out. You know, so these forces, angelic and demonic forces, are out and about 24-7. Okay? And if you think for a moment, one iota of a moment, that there's not a target on your back because you're a child of God, then you're greatly deceived. And I'm not saying that to frighten anyone, either here or anyone that might hear this message, but Jesus says it, okay? Uh, when you make your decision to come to the Lord, the devil knows that he's lost another soul. 
So therefore, he wants to get you back. The same way when the Egyptians were, uh, uh, were released from uh, Egypt. I'm sorry, when the Israelites were released from Egypt. Uh, Pharaoh said, get out of here, get out of here. All those plagues, he finally gave up and said, go, let him go. And then after they were gone, all of a sudden he had a change of heart. Because the people in his court were saying, oh, gee whiz, the Israelites are gone. Who's going to wash our clothes? Who's going to do this? You know, they were complaining because the slaves were gone, basically. And so Pharaoh got hardened. His heart got hardened again. He said, oh, I'm going to get them back. So he went after them to bring them back. Well, it's the same thing with us. We as children of God, once we are released from Egypt, Egypt as a symbol and sign of bondage, we're released from the bondage of, of sin and the way we used to live and the way our values were. We were released from that into God's realm. But once you go, the devil doesn't want to see you go, so he tries to bring you back. So he creeps around as a roaring lion, not my words, scripture seeing who he can devour. Okay? And if you're one of those Christians out there who are not well grounded, you may know the word inside and out, but if you're not well grounded enough so that when someone comes to you and presents a situation, a circumstance, or says something to you to tear you down, if you're not well grounded enough and strong and bold enough in the word of God, say, I don't accept that. Sorry, I don't care who you are. I do not accept it. That's not what the word of God says. Go where? Go where? I don't care how many prophecies he had that were accurate. I'm not going there. Holy Spirit's not telling me to go there. Thought you were my friend. Yeah, I am. That's why I'm not going there. I'm trying to keep you from going there. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Maybe you're, maybe you're helping that person. All right. You see, so, so that, that boldness, Jesus going through the, the, uh, the, the uh, money changes, those things that we have to remember as children of God, too, that you have to be bold and be able to be strong when you're in line with the Word of God. So Ephesians 6, you know these scriptures quite well, but again, just so that we remember who it is that we are in opposition against. Um, verse number 11 6.11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And we've been here many times before. You may have the word wiles and stand underlined because we've been here before. But, but standing meaning that, we, uh, that you may be able to stand. It means not to lie down or wimp out. Okay? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles of the devil is strategies. It's, it's deceits. You, you, know, you know, I think there was a cartoon character, Wiley Coyote or something like that, right? Because he was devious and, and so on, okay? Well, that's how the devil is. He very rarely hits us head on with a confrontation. He will use someone else that's familiar to us, you know, a, a situation, someone that we trust, you know, to get to, to, get to us. So this is why he says, uh, put on the whole arm of God so that you can stand, you can withstand the wiles, the strategies, and the deceits of the devil. Um, for we wrestle not, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's not people that we wrestle with. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Against spiritual wickedness in high places, okay? So the issues that come our way, it's not the person, the physical person that's standing in front of you, but it's those, those, those authorities, those principalities in, in high places, those dark forces, evil, that would be using this person to come against you, you see? See? And so if we relax our guard, if we don't stand, we relax our guard and think because this human being standing in front of me is someone that I know very well and I trust and so on and like that, then we relax our guard, then we could be falling prey to, to another plot. Verse 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. There it is again, whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand on the line. 
in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Okay, not lie down. See how many times the word stand and withstand is being used there? Meaning that it's because God knows that we are going to be under attack, you know? And that's what it often feels like when we're going through a real tough and troublesome time here. It feels like we're being barraged with a host of problems, with a host of things that are being said, things that are happening to us. So that we need to be able to stand and not lie down. Verse 14, stand therefore, having your loins girded about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Truth is obviously, it's the word of God. It's knowing what truth is with a capital T. And having on the breastplate of righteousness. And your feet should be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Please put a bracket around that if you don't already have it bracketed. Take the shield of faith. Uh, with which you shall be able to quench all the fiery thoughts of the wicked. To me, I mean, that is so, it's so perfectly put. I mean, you can certainly envision that. You know, these darts that are being fired at us continually coming from the enemy, fired in all sorts of ways, you know, but, but in words, by, by deeds and actions that people take and things that come up in our lives, challenges that come to our, our belief um, system as Christians. So the shield of faith is, is indeed, the, your, your faith is that which repels those darts, all right? So if someone is saying to you that you shall not succeed or you shall not go here, you shall not do this, and you know that God has told you that this is what's going to happen with you and for you, then that shield of faith is what repels that dart that would be coming at you. And we have to remember that when we're talking to people also, you know, because they will, 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 will throw sometimes verbal darts at us. We have to have the shield of faith to make sure that we're not giving into that. Um, 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly. Please underline, open my mouth boldly. Open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, and that, uh, that in this I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Again, underline the word boldly. All right? So what it's saying there, back up in 17, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Out of all of these other pieces of armor, those other pieces of armor are defensive. They're using, it's being used to defend yourself. The sword of the Spirit is the only, only piece of armor there, or weaponry, that is offensive. So you use the sword to chop off the head of the devil, so to speak, when he comes into your life and starts talking nonsense. Amen? In the name of Jesus, I rebuke that thought. Cut off the head, you know? Okay, in the name of Jesus, you know, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Cut off the head. Amen. When Jesus was in the desert, those three temptations, you know, and the devil was spouting scripture, then what did Jesus do? Hit him right back with scripture. That was far more accurate, by the way. You see, so the word of God is your, is your offensive weapon, the, the sword of the spirit. Amen. Amen. So, so knowing that God is giving us this armor as we go about, this armor, if you believe what is written here, you know, and I don't say anyone can't that believes in God. If you believe that there's a God and you believe that God is spirit 
God and Jesus certainly talk about darkness, spiritual darkness, demonic spirits. If you believe that God is God and that God is a spirit, then you've got to believe the rest of what he says, that these spirits exist also, and that this is truly our threat. This is where our wrestling comes from. It's not the people, the person that's giving you a hard time. You have to recognize who is behind that person that is doing the driving. Okay? Okay? And it becomes mighty apparent, too, because, you know... You can see things, if you're watching, you can see things that happen in your life and happen in the lives of others. And you will see that many things that are done of the devil or demonic forces and things are cyclical in nature. Okay? And the devil is so stupid because whether he realizes that or doesn't think that any children of God see it, he persists in doing the same thing. You will find that if things are happening in your life that are very negative, very, very troublesome, you need to stop and look at the, the cycle. If you find that things are going very, very nicely, two, three, four, I'm just using a time frame, two weeks, three weeks, a month or whatever, then all of a sudden things start flaring up again and then you're miserable. You finally get it under control. Another three weeks, a month or whatever, that same time frame, something flares up again. And in many cases from the same circumstance or the same type of circumstance, you need to go to God, Holy Spirit, and ask him to show you what's going on. Okay? You need to ask him because that's how he works. He does things in cycles, all right? There may be a time of joy, and then all of a sudden, boom, the bottom drops out again, okay? And if you can see that it's down to a certain time, a frequency of time, you can see that something's going on. And I tell you this, and Tanya will bear it out, but many times I said, okay, watch. Three weeks down the road, something, something, watch. It's going to flare up again, okay? And not only in our lives, but in the lives of others. And it happens. So if you see something in your life that's going on and it's recurring like that with a certain frequency, then you should start praying about it and ask Holy Spirit to reveal to you what's going on. Okay? And this is how you can bind it up. Because what's happening is that the evil influence, this principalities of darkness and high places that the scriptures talk about, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's not that person that has an iPhone or an iPad with their calendar that says three weeks have gone by, let me start giving so-and-so a hard time again, okay? That person is not using Microsoft Outlook to put these little appointments in there, three weeks have gone by, let me start giving so-and-so and so-and-so again. This person that is being driven by what is being spoken about in Ephesians 6 here is that on that cycle, that evil influence is driving that person to start up again, you see? You see? And you look at me like you think, oh boy, this guy's really going off the deep end. Not my words, you look at the Word of God and you stop and think about it in your life. And maybe you haven't even looked at it, but I urge you to do that. If you've got certain situations, certain people where things occur, almost like clockwork, you know that something else is going on. It's not the people, okay? Not my words, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood.
but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Okay? So there's spiritual wickedness in high, high places of authority. So that means that is what is driving people. Okay? It, it, it's not, not necessarily solely the person. It's, it's the influence. The same way that you are governed to do or not do something, because as a Christian I would or would not do this, the same way we talked about, you know, returning something that you didn't pay for in the store. The same way that you're driven to do that because this is Holy Spirit telling you this is the right thing to do. Well, if that is possible, and Holy Spirit is the Spirit, and God himself is saying in this scripture that it's not the people that we're wrestling with. It's not a physical human being. It's the spiritual wickedness. There's that same spiritual wickedness. The same way Holy Spirit is guiding us to return that item, the spiritual wickedness is guiding that person to do whatever they're doing to you. It's the same thing, okay? There's spiritual influence around us, not my words, Holy Spirit's words here, around us, and we can choose to either be driven by them or not driven by them. As simple as that. And you just simply have to be aware of what's going on, all right? You drive by, you drive by the bank and you say, sorry, good idea, good idea to rob that bank. <laughs> good idea to rob that bank, Okay. You know, and we've all seen the little cartoon over the years with the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other. You know, well, you'd be surprised how kind of almost accurate that is. You're driving by, boy, boy, I need to pay that bill. I want to buy it. There's a bank. All right, and Holy Spirit quickly tells you, now, are you serious? You know, are you serious? You're thinking about, you get out of here. You're not going to, you know, and you just miss, you may sit there and chuckle. What's wrong with me? And you keep on driving, okay? But the same way those thoughts come into our minds, okay, we are constantly being bombarded by thoughts, okay, and impressions. Those impressions and them thoughts, those thoughts are coming from God and they're coming from the evil, from the devil, all right? So just knowing that is, is such a big, huge bit of wisdom it gives you a whole different perspective when people start giving you a hard time. Okay? It stops you from developing a hatred or a dislike for that person. Okay? You, you realize that it's not John. I mean, every time you see this guy, you may get a knot in your stomach. You feel like grabbing something and, you know, throwing it at him or something. <laughs> okay? But it's not John. Okay? It's who's guiding John. Okay? And the thing about it, the reason why I know that is true... Because when the person comes to the Lord, man, it may be weeks, months, it may be years, that person will come back to you and say, you know, I just feel I have to say this to you. I know for all of those months and years, I know I gave you a hard time. You know, I'm sorry. I am so sorry. You know, can you forgive me? You see, because then the Spirit of God is working on them. See, whereas before it wasn't. All right? When Holy Spirit gets a hold of you, people change. People change. I've seen it. And he may come back to you and say, I'm sorry. I know I gave you a hard time. I'm so sorry. Can you ever forgive me? And, of course, you as a child of God, what do you have to do? Get away from me. No, you have to, you have to forgive him, obviously, you see. But I'm saying that to say, and you will, you will walk away from that person in such an awe, you'll say, gee whiz. I've known him for 20 years, and he was always giving me a hard way to go, and, and now he's like a different person. Well, he is, because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Remember that, okay? So if you realize that, getting back to the whole meaning of the message here, if you realize that, that I'm not wrestling against that person, that flesh and blood, but against spiritual darkness in high places, okay, 
when that person, you look at that person, you know, and, and, and you know, I, I will take this even a little bit further and kind of going way off here, but not off, but you will be able to start looking at people and you can see in their eyes that something is going on. You can see it and you can sense it and you can feel it. All right. And you'll know that even though you've known this person 100 years, you're, oh, no, this is not John talking. This is not. No. Mm-mm. OK. And once you realize it's not the human being that's there, it's what's driving the human being. It'll make it a lot easier for you to say no or I don't accept it. OK. Because that person may or may not even realize what it is that they're saying or trying to get you to do. Amen. So they say, no, in the name of Jesus, I don't accept it. I rebuke it. I refuse it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I pray this message has been a blessing to you. And now before we close, let us prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.